Mindfulness Mode 148. I think that clarity of your true nature and why you're here and your calling and your purpose is just going to start showing up. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, I talk with people from all walks of life to discover the many ways mindfulness has impacted their lives. Last time, we talked with Khaled Gorob, and Khaled talked a lot about relationships. He's a relationship expert, calls himself the relationship architect. And after hearing this episode, I'm sure you'll agree. What a what a deep, wise person he is. He was really able to connect with me. I felt connected to him. And he gave me all sorts of tips to share with you, Mindful Tribe, about relationships and mindfulness. So be sure to check that out. Now today, I'm talking with Michelle Dutro. She is all about your true nature, finding out who you really are, getting down to the basics. What in your life now simply does not belong, she asks. That's one of the quotes that I pulled out of the episode. And this is what she says, if you're trying to clean up your life, trying to improve your life, she says the first step is to remove, and you can probably imagine what the next word is, the first step, she says, is to remove the clutter in your life. Look at what doesn't belong, what doesn't feel good, what doesn't resonate. So today you are going to really benefit from this, I'm sure. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Michelle Dutro. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally excited to have Michelle Dutro on the line today. Hey, Michelle, are you in mindfulness mode? There's no other way to be. That is true. Michelle Dutro is a biofeedback specialist, and she's a certified life coach in strategic intervention. She's also a wellness consultant, hypnotherapist, and yoga instructor. Michelle Dutro has figured out her life's purpose, which is to inspire you to believe that your life truly represents limitless possibility. She especially loves working with those who are living without a voice. So, Michelle, that is interesting. It's great to have you here, by the way. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And I'm honored to be here and chatting with you again as I got to interview you on my podcast a couple of days ago. So it's li- nice to uh, continue the conversation. Exactly. It is. And so we'll start with the topic of mindfulness. We've got so much to talk about. What does mindfulness mean to you exactly, Michelle? You know, what it means to me is being present in every moment of your life. And when I think people have heard the line, love is in the details, right? Mm-hmm. Life is in yep. the details. And to to catch and perceive the details means you have to be present or you're going to miss them all. So if we know that love is in the details and the quality of life is in the details, then there's no other way but to show up fully engaged and fully present, which means that multitasking needs to not be part of your world. <laughs> Um, and, and to stay focused and, and really be present with what matters because this moment is your life. So it has to matter. So that's what mindfulness is to me is, is truly just being present at what is at hand in front of you right now. And if it's not worth paying attention to, then quite frankly, why are you doing it? Right. I mean, that's, that's another indicator. Then don't do that. If, if you're so distracted doing five of the things, then stop and say, 
why am I bored with this or why am I not interested? Why is this not worthy of my full attention? That's an indicator to say, I need a course correct because this is not what I should be doing. Well, you're right. This moment is your life. And it just seems like in this day and age, you're not cool if you don't multitask. You're not with it. You know, you've just got to be multitasking. How do we really pull this off then, Michelle, and get away from this whole idea of, you know, I'm on my phone and I've got this going on. I've got that going on. I mean, Tell our listeners, because I mean, this is something I practice every day, every moment, but it's not always easy to achieve. That's the thing. How do we do it? No, it's not. And, you know, I'll tell you for, you know, the folks I think largely that we're referencing is, you know, say the millennials, you know, folks Mm -hmm. that, you know, have a couple of iPhones um, and they're on email and have a regular phone where someone's talking on speakerphone. If, If you read any study, certainly in the last couple of years, to what your productivity truly is with multitasking, it's so much less than how do you just done one task to completion and move to the next. So scientifically, it doesn't work. And then from a memory retention, there's no way that you can be talking and reading and doing something else like typing and thinking that your brain has the ability to process all of that to its fullest extent at the same time. It, it just tr- truly, it can't happen. So if you step back and ask someone else that you see doing that or ask yourself, is my intention here to be the most productive, which is typically why people multitask, and to be able to recall at a a moment's notice what I am doing at any moment in the future, that means you're going to have to be fully present, fully engaged, and by definition, then not multitasking. So I, I would really just step back and say, what's your intention here? Are you trying to get the most out of what you're doing? Because if you are, you've got to be single laser focused. You have to be. Exactly. And it's really well put. So let's talk about your experience as a biofeedback specialist. Tell us what that means and how that helps you to be be mindful. So uh, it's a little bit funny because it's kind of a misnomer for folks that know me because by definition, a biofeedback specialist, another way you could say that is a stress reduction therapist. I, by my nature, do not reduce people's stress. In fact, I will say to the contrary, I increase people's stress exponentially when they're around me. And the reason is, is I push people into what are you doing with your life and why are you doing it and asking maybe a different set of questions. That's the coaching side of me than maybe what anyone or yourself has asked you about your life and what you're doing. And that creates a lot of stress for people being in that environment of, oh my gosh, somebody's really pushing me about my eating habits or my multitasking habits or the job that I'm in that I can't stand, whatever that is. To me, if I can push those boundaries and and really create a bit of stress in this conversation, it will force you into making decisions about your life, really looking at your life and why you're doing what you're doing. Because when we're in a place that we shouldn't be, whether it's a relationship we shouldn't be in that's abusive or we're in a job that we can't stand, that internal stress is like a slow, you know, a frog in boiling water waiting for its slow uh, eventual death. It's like it's a soul death, really. And so my job in life, I think, is to really be mindful and, and watch people and feel more what they're conveying, regardless of what their words are saying to say, okay, this, this right now, what you're telling me, what you're doing with your life is so incongruent with who you are. And on a deep level, you know that. So how can we realign things to get you back on track and truly back on purpose? But like I said, it, I, I create a bit of stress in people's lives 
in order to get there for them to realize that the life they're in is really internally very harmful. That level of stress being incongruent with your true nature is, is I think, one of the most harmful things you can do. Far more than uh, drive through at McDonald's. And that's the truth. Really. <laughs> right, it's very really. harmful. Oh, yeah. Right. And so in order for me to get back on track and back on purpose, I need to suffer some stress. I need to go through some of this anxiety and fear, right? Let's talk about fear. How do I get through fear to the other side? So the thing about fear, there's fear is meant to be a guidepost for us, but it's not meant to control us. And there's a very big difference. Fear, when people say they want to try to eliminate fear, well, that makes no sense. You, you want to have a certain amount of fear when you're walking down the street and here's a dark alley and something shows up going, boy, this doesn't feel right. I better turn around and go back where I came from. That fear that was inside of you, that inherent uh, thing that shows up is there for a reason. Now, when it controls us and fear gets us to the point that we can no longer take action, we can no longer feel that we can make a right decision, that, that's gone from being a guidepost to controlling, and that's what's got to get in check. So when somebody says, you know, gosh, I'm just too afraid to make a change, then here comes the line of questions about, so can you say more about that? What specifically about it? Is it that you just don't have enough information to know that you're making an educated right decision? Or are we dealing with low self-esteem, low self-confidence issues, and where does that come from, and let's remedy that, because likely that's what the problem is. It has nothing to do with the new job or the new relationship. It resides within you, and that's where our work is. Well, let's talk about you. Let's go back a little bit more. I'm fascinated to, to learn how you got to be what you are now. I mean, you're an amazing dynamo person who helps others, but did you ever have a time in your life where you were suffering lack of confidence? You know, I get asked this a lot and it's the one thing that's a little bit hard for me to wrap my head around because I've just always been exactly who I am. Right. Now I'll tell you, there was a tipping point that I would say absolutely put me on this particular path. And it's, it's one that you and I spoke about, and it's one that you so beautifully are working toward healing and remedying in this world, and that's bullying. And that happened with me, same thing like we talked about mm -hmm. when it usually shows up with people in middle school. And it was an incident that happened, and, and that, that incident truly changed, maybe not changed, it certainly highlighted and became very clear to me at, you know, I don't know, 11 years old, what my mission and purpose is. And, and it really was, I... I will do everything in my power to give people that feel that they don't have the ability to fight for themselves or stand up for themselves or use their voice to help them uh, really come into their own inner strength of truly who they are so that they do have a voice. But in the meantime, yeah, I'm an advocate for I, you know, those that don't feel that they're strong enough to have a voice, then I try to uh, show them by example what that looks like. And then certainly I'm a vegetarian for the same reason. So I'm a big defender of animals as well uh, and humanitarian on a lot of causes, like I said, for the, uh, for the inhumane treatment of animals is a very important thing to me. Again, kind of all for the same reason. It's being an advocate to those that don't have a voice. Right. And I know I do a lot of work with abused women who have lost their confidence, feel as though they don't have a voice anymore. What would you say to a woman who has just had a terrible time, she's been abused, and she just needs to get back her sense of mindfulness and her sense of self? Well, there's two things to me uh, with that question. One is 
our story, the things that have happened to us along the way, we've assigned meaning to those things. Here's an incident that happened and now I'm not worthy. Here's an incident that happened and I must have caused that. Here's an incident that happened and I deserved that. So part of it is what is the meaning that you have assigned all of these events that have taken place because that meaning is what is now defining you. So there's, there's one aspect of it. The other fork in the road for me is outside of focusing on the one side, which is the negative things that have happened, there also have been a lot of right things that have happened in your life. There have been things you have done that have had a great outcome, whether it's your children, maybe you uh, had a great job and you did very well at it. Maybe you were a great student in school. And so those, the, the greatness side of us, we very easily bury. And then all that comes through is all this negativity and how horrible we are, or that we're just not strong enough, or we don't lack confidence. And, and so it's kind of tipping the scales back to saying, hang on now, let's bring back to the forefront the greatness of your true nature that every single one of us inherently has. It's just that the light needs to be, you know, shined back on that side of us again to remember truly who we are. So it really, for me, is a double-edged approach. Right. Well... We've talked a little bit about food. You've talked about story. Then there's this, you know, getting fit through exercise and getting our why down. Where should we start? If you just feel like you're a complete, you know, you're just not, you don't know where you're going. You're just lost. Where's mm-hmm. the best place to start? So this is, uh, you're doing a beautiful job. You would think I wrote these questions all, all for you. So <laughs> this is, this is my, my posse are the people that come to me with exactly that. I, everything is kind of in an upheaval and I don't know what the first step is. So my very first question always is what in your life right now do you know for a fact simply does not belong? And automatically there's going to be something that shows up for you. Whether it's too much TV, too much time on social media, uh, the, the cheeseburgers and chocolate shakes, that you, whatever it is, it's different for everybody. But that very first question when I ask that, hey, what do you know in your life doesn't belong? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it is that job. But whatever first came to your mind is the biggest significant boulder that you have that you know needs to go. So my advice never starts with, let's add things in. Let's add exercise. Let's add in B12. Let's add it. It's not about that. Things when they're chaotic or lost or foggy or whatever you want to, however you want to label, I don't know what to do with this bit of a mess of a life is okay to start with. And it's the principles of feng shui. Anytime you walk into a room or into a home and you're looking at really changing the energy, first step in feng shui is removing the clutter. And so it's the same in life. What is there that doesn't belong? And so I tell people before we do anything, take three things categorically, one within your diet, one within your personal life, right? Mm -hmm. And then another within your beliefs. What belief are you hanging on to that you know doesn't serve you? And so there's our starting point. That's my second question though to what's the one thing? Because that one thing, whatever it is that first comes to your mind, that's, that's huge and that's our starting point. And then it's categorically, like I said, those are the three categories. And we start until we get to the point that we've, we've removed so much clutter and nonsense from your life that now there's more energy and there's more freedom to be able to say, okay, now that we've removed the nonsense and the things that aren't serving us, let's talk about adding in what has been missing or what does belong to help you again get back to your true nature and live into your purpose for why you're here. 
Okay, so let's say if I, I said to you, oh, I'm just eating so much fast food and I just can't seem to stop. I can't get, I just can't get my myself to eat the healthy foods and to leave out the, the crap. Okay, so we, we're talking about diet. Let's start there and talk about that. Okay, so tell me then, I want you to finish this sentence for me. I am what? As it relates to health. Not, I don't want to hear I'm an entrepreneur, but as it relates to health, if you were to finish that sentence, how would you finish that sentence? How, would you describe yourself, I am a healthy eater? I am uh, uh, a cheeseburgeraholic? I mean, how would, you, how would you finish that sentence, given your truth that you just can't seem to stop the drive-through? How would you finish the sentence? You are what? As it relates to your diet. I am addicted to fast food. How does that serve you? Well, I'm just in too much of a hurry all the time. I can't stop and cook. I just, I just have to go through the drive-through to grab something when I'm hungry. And if I don't eat when I'm hungry, I just like, man, I just can't even operate. I've, sure. I've got to eat when I'm hungry. Sure, sure. So this started back with you're too busy. How does being too busy serve you? Because everything we do serves us on some level, or we would change it. So how does this busy factor in your life? What do you get for that? I just have to get everything done and I just work every day trying to get everything done in my to-do list and trying to achieve everything. And sometimes I don't pull it off. So I just don't have that much time yeah. to spare. And so I can already tell by the excitement in your voice, you rarely get everything done, do you? You're that's, always behind the eight ball. That's right. What we're hearing, is it fair to say that what you're doing isn't working because you're so busy and being so productive Yet at the end of the day, what you're telling me is you're actually not productive. You're not getting things done and you're, you start every day already behind. Is that a fair statement? That's how I feel. Yes. Right. So let's not focus right now on how to stop your addiction through the drive through because that's a symptom of the problem. If we fix the problem, the symptom has a lot easier chance of just correcting itself. Is that a fair statement? Yes. So if you had more time, be honest, if you had the time, would you make your lunch the night before and then be able to take that into work so you don't need to go through the drive-through? Or are you telling me even if you had the time, quite frankly, you care so little about your health, you wouldn't even make that choice? No, if I had the time, I would definitely do that. And I do like to cook. So I would put together more healthy food so that I would have food in the fridge ready at any time to take with me. Okay. Do you truly value that? Or is that just something you're saying to me right now to make me feel good? <laughs> uh, do you value that? Do you really enjoy, would you really do that? I really would do that if I had the time. Okay. So now here's what we're going to do. If we had the next hour and you were my coaching client, we would line out what you're doing for your day, because I can tell you that what you're doing, you're spending your time doing things that really don't matter they're probably not moving the needle. And I would question how many of these things really have to do with your life's purpose. Meaning, if we took a look at today, let's say we're meeting at five o'clock in the afternoon and you lined up for me every single thing you did today. And I said, okay, let's go to when you're 80 years old and we look back. How many of the things you did today are you gonna remember and are even worthy of you remembering? How much of those things really were game changers for you or for others because that's, you're so busy doing these things that are driving you to make poor health decisions. And my guess is on the look back, these are things that you're not even going to remember doing on, on this, you know, Friday that you had here on this day of the earth. So it tells me then that probably we have a thing on decision making and priorities and really figuring out what matters. Because the truth is, 
if you were living into truly what matters and you're telling me what matters is your health and being able to cook because you actually love that, we've gotten out of order completely. And when we fix that and reprioritize and realign and remember why we're here and what matters, the rest of this will be a walk in the park. Okay, because I was just going to say, and I'm glad you said remember why we're here, but I was just going to say, Michelle, I'm just so afraid that once we get off the call, say in about a week, I will slip back into doing my old stuff again and I won't remember why I'm here and what I want to do and what's important to me. So how do I make sure that it's all valid every day, all these these things about why I'm here and where I want to go? So for people that can't remember, you know, they, they kind of lose track of, oh yeah, here was my momentum and then it fades and we go right back. It really wasn't real or locked in with true meaning because here's the deal. You can't forget why you're here. That's not something you need to put on a sticky note on your bathroom mirror as a reminder every day. Oh, that's right. I'm here to change lives and, and make people more healthy through my health coaching practice. If, if that's what your mission was in life, which would be odd that you're going through McDonald's on the daily because that's <laughs> yes. that's a little out, out of incongruency. We're going to have to work on that, probably why you don't have much business either. So we'll talk about that next. But the truth is you don't have to have a reminder as to why you're here. If you are losing sight of it and losing momentum, I'd say you haven't landed on it yet because when you do that passion, that fire, it's what it's what makes you launch out of bed every day to say, I can't wait to get after it because if today's my last day on this planet and there is no guarantee, I'm going to make sure that my mission in life was to its highest level of fulfillment today, no matter what. And if you don't have that spark and that passion, because it's inherent within all of us, it's slowing down long enough to tune back into our true nature to remember what that is. So my, my guess would be if you lose focus and it seems like you're talking about a pattern of this for you, you start a diet or you start this, you start that and, and it's a great idea in the beginning and then it kind of wanes, it's, it's exactly that. It was a good idea at the time, but it wasn't your true nature and your calling and your being. And that's not something you're going to, if you haven't spent any time at life really on this topic, then that's not going to be figured out in an hour. That's going to be a series of uh, every day really unpeeling the layers of the onion, truly of your soul, to remember why you're here. What fired you up as a kid before society or people or a relationship decided to tell you that you weren't good enough or you couldn't do this or that was impossible? Back in the day when everything and anything was possible, what was that for you? And, and that's what we've got to realign with and become closer to and more integrated with. And that's doable for every one of us. But you know what? Yeah, that takes time. So you, Mr. Hurry, I can't even have time to grab five carrot sticks as I walk out the door. I'm going to ask you to do something very difficult, which is sitting in stillness and doing nothing and simply being. And in that space, your true nature will come through. But that's going to be a requirement. And should I do yoga while I do that? Should yoga be part of, of where I'm going with this? It could be. You know, I would say for people that are a bit resistant or don't even like to hear the word yoga, I would say give it a shot. If, if that feels resistant to you and, oh, I'm not doing it, then, then let's just start with sitting in stillness and focusing on your breath. What I'm after here is tuning back into you and not focusing on input, not the television, not the radio, not even a podcast, just silence of just being. 
And that could be through a, a lovely yoga class. That could be in a class, it could be in your home. I'm just asking you right now to start with 10 minutes of no input, focusing on your breath and just being. Oh, I could and, never do that. And for somebody that. who's busy, I, oh, I know, I knew you were going to say that. I just could not. never do that. No, my my no, mind just uh-uh. goes crazy. Like I just sure. don't, I couldn't even sit still. Like if I tried to not, not make any, like, I don't know. I just couldn't do that. I just feel, I, I would stress me out. Sure, sure. And, and what's, what's wrong with that? Well, I just, because this isn't working. We already, we agreed. Did we not? We agreed that this life that you've created for yourself is, is not working. Yes, we did agree. So what do we have to lose? I mean, maybe it doesn't work. Then, you know, you're no worse off because what's going on right now isn't working either. So what we do know is there might be a chance that it does work. Right. So there I just might have to be a chance. force myself to be silent for, you said, did you say 20 minutes, Michelle? Well, no, I'm saying because that's freaking you out a bit, right? And, and there's no need to, to be crazy here. Let's start with 10 because what I want you to get past is this, this statement that you seem to say quite a bit, which is I can't, um, to, you know what, maybe something is possible because we don't know, right? We don't know. So let's just start with 10 minutes. And in 10 minutes, when you realize you didn't die, the world didn't come crashing down, right? No, no, nothing horrible happened. The day didn't completely escape you. Once you realize, wow, it turns out I can do that. Uh, maybe it's a little challenging. Sure, that's fine. Then we go to 15 minutes. Then we get to 20 minutes. And let's just check in over time daily. This, this is not a haphazard thing, but every day, let's set up a routine and let's do it in the morning because I feel like your day kind of gets away from you. And this will, this practice will as well. You'll wind up not having time for that either. Let's do this first thing every morning and just sit and be and, and tell me if in time you start having a little more focus, a little more clarity, a little more slowness in your day, which in turn allows you to get more done. And you also start realizing without even mentally putting effort into it, this thing over here that you're doing, you really don't like and don't enjoy and it needs to go away. And this thing over here, you're realizing this does bring me joy. I'm going to do more of that. And without having to do anything, but right now sitting in stillness every day, I think that clarity of your true nature and why you're here and your calling and your purpose is just going to start showing up. Wow. But yeah, I'm going to ask you to be uncomfortable for about 10 minutes every morning. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to jump back into Mr. Bruce's skin. Mr. Sure. Mr. Hurry, that guy is pretty uncomfortable because the fact is I do meditate every morning and it does give me focus and more clarity and exactly. more happiness. Exactly. And Mindful Tribe... For those of you who are hearing this, I mean, you can hear how amazing and spectacular Michelle is as a coach because she just digs right in and she just like you just have to go with it or else you're just going to like run away like, you know, like a, a frightened child. And, and really, you're going to be with Michelle because you want to be right. That's why we hire a coach. I want to go back to some time when pieces were falling into place of your life and you were starting to see this picture of the person you were going to be helping that other person without a voice. Tell us about those pieces falling into place. So for me, Bruce, it really was, it really was that day. And that day, you know, I had a little more of that story. I was in a woodshop class uh, for an entire quarter, you know, like I said, in junior high, middle school. And while everybody else is making lamps and furniture and beds, I, I spent the entire time on one keychain, one wooden keychain. 
And this was for my grandfather who had spent the, the entirety of my life teaching me how to fix cars, repair, you know, plumbing issues. You know, I, I was, I was his right hand man, if you will. So this keychain meant the world to me. And I spent three months on this thing. As I'm walking home, three girls uh, come up to me. I remember their names vividly to this day. I won't say them out loud in case they happen to be listening. Hopefully they've, you know, turned the page here on this type of behavior, especially if they're listening to your program. But they approached and one of them, without me even realizing it, snatched that keychain out of my hand. And it was in the shape of a bird and she started twirling at her finger and said, um, so Michelle, if you want this back, it seems like it matters to you. You're going to have to go ahead and sing like a bird for us. And you know, in those moments, we're all faced with them of, okay, I could do that. I could sing like a bird, doubtful they're going to give it back. Now they're just going to laugh at me and still keep it. Mm -hmm. um, I could act like it doesn't matter to me and hopefully they'll go, oh, okay, well, we couldn't push our buttons and maybe they pitch it over their shoulder and keep walking and go harass someone else. Um, I could try to fight them. Well, they're three bigger girls than me. That's not really a, a winning outcome either. So I chose the middle road, which was, you know what? I don't care. I don't care about that keychain. You want that keychain? I could care less about it. It was something I had to do in woodshop class. It doesn't matter. Really internally praying that they were just going to, you know, throw it a hundred yards and be on their way. And then I just spent my time trying to find it. Well, that strategy also didn't work. So that back and forth went on for a little while. And they said, yeah, well, if you're not going to sing like a bird, you're never going to see this bird again. And off they went. And I did never see that bird again. Oh, wow. So I got home that day and I had been talking about this thing that I had been making in school and I couldn't wait to tell them, you know, and got home and I never said which day I was going to bring it home. And so he never asked. I, I'm assuming just forgot about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so in that moment, I thought, do I tell him, hey, I actually did make something for you and it was fantastic so that you could be proud of me, that all of your time with me up until now wasn't wasted. Um, but here's what happened. Would it be more disappointed that I allowed that incident to happen or do I just say nothing and then he just goes his whole life thinking, well, I spent all my time with her and she amounted to nothing. So I chose that route as well. I never, I just never brought it up, never said anything. And, and that was that, that bird keychain uh, just went off into the ether. So when I say about assigning meaning to things on that walk home, I knew I had to choose where I was going to focus my attention. Now, it took me much later um, and a bit more, you know, training, I guess, if you will, in psychology to say, if I focused on those girls, I think I would have wound up being a very vengeful person. I would have had a mentality that was, how can I get even? How can I get even with this person? How can I retaliate against that person? If I chose to focus on them, for the rest of my life. If I chose to focus on me, oh my gosh, look what happened to me. Poor me. How could that have ever gone on? I didn't deserve that. I probably would have wound up with a victim mentality. My focus, however, on my walk home was this feels so horrible. I don't want anyone else to ever go through this or feel this again, ever. And I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to look like. I think, like I said, I was 11, but I will tell you, I will spend the rest of my life making sure that if it's ever in my presence, no one is ever treated that way ever. And people that don't have a voice, people that aren't strong enough, people that whatever it is, I, I will do everything in my power to give them the courage and the strength to stand up for themselves, to not be bullied. And I don't mean by, you know, hitting people. I just mean in showing up with confidence that you don't have to take abuse, that you don't have to take being bullied, that you can show up with the confidence of knowing you're worthy. You are worthy of being treated well. You're worthy of love. You are worthy of greatness in this lifetime. And that walk home was 
for me. Now, I wasn't somebody who, you know, maybe necessarily lacked confidence to begin with. It just made me more laser focused on this is my purpose in life. And thus, I, I believe that's why that incident happened. I, I'm thankful that it happened. It gives me a reference point when I talk to people about where they place the meaning to incidents. And if you reframe that meaning, it has the ability to change everything. So for me, that was a story. And ever since then, you know, I was in the military for a while. That's an easy one to, uh, as a female in the military, to help people that feel like they don't have a voice that are a bit browbeaten. That was sure. an easy one, right? I was a firefighter, same thing. I've always been in a male-dominated career field, I'm sure by choice. Um, and, and it's just uh, not only to be in service, but for those folks also standing by my side to help them as a female in a male-dominated career to say, uh, you know, you have every right to be here. Wow. And let's get there together. What a powerful story, Michelle. Really powerful. Thanks so much for sharing it with us. My next questions, Michelle, are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? And I mean besides that person in that story who obviously was a powerful influence. Well, you know, I wish that I had a single person. Um, truthfully, I don't have, uh, in my younger time, a coach or a mentor. I will tell you this. I have one now. I have one that I would say has, uh, allowed me to become much better at mindfulness and really getting me to hone this skill. And that's Dr. Richard Miller. He's the founder of iRest and Yoga Nidra, which is a form of guided meditation. So I would say from a mentoring standpoint, uh, you know, now in my life and in the last several years, it absolutely would be him. Definitely in fine tuning what it means to really be present and accepting what is as it is without judgment. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Michelle? Mindfulness allows you to go from uh, going from being reactionary to responding. And there's a very big difference between the two. So I would say mindfulness is, um, allows you to stay present, not react, come from the right place and not be triggered by past events that have nothing to do with the moment that you're currently in. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. It's a connectedness. So you had mentioned yoga earlier. What it does is help us to realize that our thoughts that impact our breathing when we're under stress, it becomes very shallow and rapid breathing that when we control our breathing, we control our body, we control our thoughts. It's a connectedness that we're all one, we're all whole, we are connected to the rest of the world in that same way. So it's kind of, I would say, a centering and a grounding practice uh, that when things get a little bit loosey-goosey, like your friend who was all crazy, mm -hmm. uh, focus on the breath, come back into your being, and then start again. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? You know, I would say a, a good one. There's certainly many, but one that I love is Wherever You Go, There You Are, uh, Mindfulness Meditation in Everyday Life by John Kabat-Zinn. I, I love that book. Me too. I really do. Uh, what app would you recommend if you have an app that could help someone be more mindful? Well, since we were talking here about meditation and mindfulness really is not something that you just do, but it's truly who you become, I would say, especially for those people that feel like they have a racing mind and can't get it together, there are a bajillion of these out there, but get a meditation timer. That way you're not constantly looking up and checking the time, checking your watch, how long has this been? Get a timer, 
set that thing for 10 minutes. You can have little five minute bell intervals. So you can just sit there, close your eyes and, and not stress. Now you can just know that there's a timer worrying about the time for you. And that bell will go off at five minutes. The bell will go off at 10 minutes and then you're done. So again, it's taking the worry and stress off of you. Allow that to be somewhere else so that you can just stay focused on your breath. Thank you for that. Michelle, it has been really great talking with you today. And Mindful Tribe, I know you've picked up just tons of valuable information and and ideas from this. Michelle, how can we contact you and learn more about what you do? Sure. So like I said, I have my podcast that I am honored that you are on is the Game Changer Podcast that can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. And the website is thegamechangerpodcast.com. Most of my work, though, and anything coming up, books, online courses, my blog, that all can be found at innernorthstar.com, just like it sounds, I-N-N-E-R-N-O-R-T-H-S-T-A-R.com. All my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat is all under the same name of Inner North Star. Great. Well, it's been fantastic talking with you. All the best to you, Michelle. Have a great rest of your day. Bruce, thank you so much. I I truly, as always, I could talk to you for hours. So thank you. I'm honored for being here. (laughs) Me too. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes on every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. And last time I mentioned I'm working on a mindfulness training program that will really, truly help anyone who is experiencing anxiety or frustration, overwhelm. If you're interested in getting a head start, a quick look at what I've got arranged here, I'd love to talk with you. Just send an email to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Put relaxed life in the subject line. Back in July, I was at Podcast Movement in Chicago. It was a conference just for podcasters. I was in a presentation and the presenter gave people in the audience a chance to stand up and speak about what they were doing. And this woman stood up, a lovely woman, and she said, I have a podcast and it's all about mindfulness and that's what I'm about. And I thought, oh, I've got to meet this lady. She's dynamic. She's really interesting. And so afterwards, I ran up and I, I met her and found out her name was Andrea Clunder. And Andrea Clunder is going to be my guest on the next episode of Mindfulness Mode. And I'm telling you, it it is something to really look forward to because Andrea is dynamic and she has quite a story to share. So enjoy and use what you've learned today on Mindfulness Mode to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.